Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Bring on the wall! Exactly. We Oh, God, imagine Dan Byrne on Bring on the Wall would be fantastic. Um, there are a lot of people who do think that because of the overachieving of this season, um, anything's good enough. I just can't imagine Kieran Trippier, of all the people, being like, that's acceptable. There's a problem here. You can almost do too well, mm. and it can get you in trouble. Everyone's a rival. I don't... I don't I, is this a big thing to say? There'll be something in the past that's, that's irked someone, yeah. and that leads to it. And I think that that's what makes football so great. Brighton. God, I love Brighton. Good God, let me <laughs> let me dream, Brian. Oh, Liverpool. I think he had such a great system there. You take one cog out, it's just not the same. No. It's just not the same, and it's still not totally recovered from that, in my opinion. If there's nothing at all, then that is a better restart point than Europa League, because if they do go into Europa League, they have a chance of doing a Tottenham and being embarrassed for it. Hello gorgeous people of planet Earth, hope you're doing well. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect with James Lawrence Alcott, that's me. Um, I am joined by uh, Emil Franchi, who is a really, really impressive broadcaster. He has a show on Absolute Radio, but he's a massive Newcastle United fan. And I did Sky Sports News with him and I remember just being so impressed with his lovely voice and, you know, what came out of it. So um, so I, I wanted to get him on the podcast to talk about Newcastle because uh, obviously there are Newcastle voices out there, but he's in London as well. So it's just perfect. And we are talking about the top four because finishing in the top four is seen as one of the hardest things to do in the English football pyramid and can be season defining for a club both the season you've just had there but the season moving forward as well and for example missing out in fourth place by a point is deemed as a failure we saw that last year whereas achieving top four by a point is seen as a great season for most clubs and we're obviously going to talk about Arsenal as well not even top four even the title race it comes to that as well it's just so fine when it comes to the margins top four qualification brings with it added financial freedom transfer clout and bragging rights for the fans in this episode of the ripple effect we'll be looking at what top four qualification means for each club in the running and opposingly what finishing outside of the top four means for those clubs as well I have actually just recorded that section of it which is the bulk of it right and it was it was cracking actually we go through the runners and riders and there's a there's a lot to be said about what could occur if they get into the Champions League and you can understand why it means absolutely everything aside from the basic achievement of doing well each season and that is the word of the week achievement and because <laughs> I think this is interesting we're, we're at that point now and I've been doing this a while guys there's a moment in the season where we, the bottles get uh, brought out and we're there and it's with Arsenal. So achievement, the definition of achievement, something very good and difficult that you have succeeded in doing. And like most sort of football fan debates, a lot of the time, 
it comes down to your kind of personal preference on it and there's not really any way of truly deciding it and you know when it comes to achievement for arsenal uh, you know we've seen everyone going okay are they bottling it are they not bottling it look these are you know the business weeks of the season now each game is huge and the ripple effect of each game is huge because, and let's say the ripple effect, the reverberations, the noise is just so loud. And Arsenal, of course, you know, dropping points. It feels like Man City are impenetrable. But as I said, every look, the experience is with Man City for sure. But in terms of achievement, I do come back to that idea that if Arsenal, you know, finish second, okay, but there'd be an element of disappointment. But I think when you're seeing what Man City are doing year in, year out, the perfection, I think what we're really... What we really probably need to do is actually give, you know, Man City and Pep Guardiola, I think in particular, his flowers because the football that they play, the evolution will have to do this on the ripple effect. The evolution of Pep Guardiola and his tactics and how he's always ahead of the curve. It feels like right now means that you've got to be perfect to win it. And so you can still achieve without being perfect. I think that, you know, those are the two key words here. And this sort of idea of bottling, you know, to to win and win and win and win and win, but like miss out on not even defeats, two draws. I find that wild that, you know, how quickly people go, you know, just lose their way for sure. In terms of the quick fire ripples, let's go for a few. Uh, I'm going to save one for uh, Emil French. He's, he's got one that he likes to talk about. And so we'll talk about that one. But first of all, here's an amazing one. Slovakia's missed World Cup. Bernd Leno went down injured for a while after colliding with Malpai in Fulham's match against Everton at the weekend. The last time this happened, and this is one that a lot of you guys have sent in over the uh, the months so far, was, uh, Emi Mart- was when Amy Martinez then came in. It was Arsenal v Brighton. You'll remember Malpai injured Bernd Leno. Emi Martinez came in and you know did brilliantly well. That led to him getting the move to Aston Villa, becoming one of the best goalkeepers in the world and therefore getting the Argentina number one jersey, and then from there winning the Copa America and, of course, eventually winning the World Cup for Lionel Messi. So Malpai taking out Bernd Leno led to Lionel Messi winning the World Cup because, of course, Emi Martinez saves that penalty. So could that have occurred again? Have we just missed out on Slovakia's World Cup? If you're Slova- uh, Slovakian, you'll be absolutely fuming because if Leno had gone off injured, it would have been Marek Rodak. And what could have been for Slovakia? Heartbreak. Absolute heartbreak. Imagine that. Slovakia win the World Cup. But we'll never know because, uh, you know, it's over now. And one quick one. Like Emil French is going to talk about this, but uh, one that had to be put forward because uh, I kept getting tweeted it time and time again was Kevin Augustin. Um, he, the Leeds United player, or former player, Jean-Kevin Augustin, uh, is having to be paid serious money, $24.5 million. I mean, that is just retire then, don't you? 24.5 million is outrageous. Um, and it relates to a 25 year old's loan move in 2020. But this occurred because of uh, a twisted testicle, apparently, according to rumors. And if not, I apologize, allegedly. There you go, I'm safe. To uh, Eddie Nketiah. Eddie Nketiah actually went back to Arsenal as well. And that, you know, changed the trajectory of his career. He wasn't really getting many games, actually, at Leeds at that time. And it's obviously cost, well, could cost Leeds. 40 million although they are appealing and time will tell on that one but that is the worst signing I think you've ever seen and when it comes to like the minutes per money I think it was 800,000 odd per minute disgusting some great ones though this week uh September 26th 2020 
it caused a ripple effect that could lead to Wrexham getting themselves back into the Football League. Now, it probably would have been inevitable, but that was the date that Ben Foster created his YouTube channel. My guy. Good old Ben. Uh, if he hadn't started it, there's no way he's at Wrexham. Because I remember talking to him on Dream Teams, which is a series on my channel, and I asked him, oh, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm going to play next year. This is when Watford had gone up. I'm going to play next year, and then after that, I'm going to MLS. I was like, oh, wow, okay, great. And that's what I was expecting him to do. But I later spoke to him about it, and he said, you know, the YouTube stuff was so much fun that he wanted to get into that. And so that's why he didn't go to another club. That's why he turned down Newcastle United. And previously on the podcast, we spoke about how he could have been playing in a League Cup final, but he's not totally missed out because, of course, he saved a 96-minute penalty in the big game between Wrexham and Notts County at the top of the um, National League. I was going to say the conference. And that wouldn't have happened because he wouldn't have been available. Unbelievable if it wasn't for YouTube. YouTube doing bits once again. Uh, a couple of other, last few quick ones. Mark Flack, that sacking of Mark Warburton was a dreadful decision. Agreed. We're not talking about QPR this week. Not this week. Richard Sox, Roy Hodgson's Palace will overtake Chelsea by the end of the season, prompting Bowley to appoint him as a sensible head to take charge at Stamford Bridge. You heard it here first. Colin James, the biggest ripple effect of the season is City having injuries, which brought Rico Lewis into the team and opened Pep's eyes to a new way of playing, which is what we see now with Stones stepping into midfield. Wouldn't have happened if Lewis hadn't done well. I think, to be honest, that I think that decision is made much earlier that Rico Lewis ducked to water when he went into that position. He doesn't go into that position if you know if it's not happening you know it's not drilled into him year after year and also Cancelo's probably got a part to play here as well he was you know and they wanted him out it seems something was going on there and Rico Lose obviously probably got some more minutes due to that as well but I also think there's something to keep an eye on in terms of the, the macro management of Pep Guardiola around Christmas these kind of players get minutes so maybe Pep had it in his head all along last up interesting one here guys and by the way tweet me I want to know Three takeaways from the podcast this week. Three things that you found interesting that you've then reflected on. And yeah, the ripple effect. I want to get you guys involved. So three takeaways from you guys from the end of this podcast. One, I'd set you up now. Uh, This is from at Centre Goals. Thomas Tuchel will not retain Sadio Mane in the summer. Bayern will try everything internally to ensure he leaves at the end of the season. So Sadio Mane, where does he go? Because if he's going to play on the left-hand side, does that rule out Man United? Or would they move things around, move Rashford around? Newcastle, need depth, could be an option there. Should he go back to Liverpool? Should you ever go back? So there's a ripple effect there. What happens with Sadio Mane? Let me know that. And then give me your three takeaways and make sure you tweet me at James Alcott, A-L-L-C-A-T-T. More important than that, can we stay in the top 10 of the Spotify sports charts We can only do it with your help. Support the podcast by hitting that follow button and giving us a five-star review. uh, And yeah, that would just be amazing. Really, really appreciate the support so far. Anyway, enough from me. It's time to chat to Emil Franchi about the Champions League, the top four, and what will be the ripple effects of that. Emil Franchi joins me. And some of you guys might not know Emil, um, but we did, what did we do? We did early kickoff together on Sky Sports. And I'm thinking... 
Oh no, he's better than me. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, see, yeah. I, I said the exact same about no, you because no, your your stop knowledge. It. Hey, stop what, it. What you will find is that my football knowledge, outside of anything black and white, which is very stereotypical of a Newcastle fan, is, is limited. So I'll be making stuff up. I mean, is is um, is Cantona still play for Man United? <laughs> yeah, he's doing that, bits. Yeah, yeah. He's is, doing is, bits is he still all right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Emil, so delighted to have you here. I wanted to reach out and get you on because I, th- I think the aim of this podcast is to just offer great voices and I think there's going to be moments where people will know the names uh, but there'll be others that I mean to be fair to be fair Emil, do you want to tell people what you're what you're up to at the moment? I, I, I work in various oh, various places, you know, well. small stations such as Absolute Radio, Radio exactly. One, things like that. But um, still like a bit of football now and then. <laughs> yeah, and it, it makes it even easier the way that things are going for my football team at the moment. Exactly, so. and we, you know, we must re- remember the broad strokes of Newcastle United. We're mm. going to do two podcasts. Uh, the, the second one will come out this uh, later this week. And that one will be if, and I'm setting it up dangerously, I guess, if Newcastle United get into the top four, get Champions League, what will that mean for the club and for football as a whole? Um, Before that, we're going to kind of go behind that Mm -hmm. and have a look at sort of top four qualification. Before we even get into that, we were having a look at some of these sort of quick fire ripple effects and we've saved one for now. Let you save your favourite. I might do this uh, moving forward. And what was your favourite quickfire ripple effect that we weren't able to do last week, but did actually happen just before we uh, released the podcast last I mean, week? It's got to be Kevin Augustin. I mean, <laughs> just 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 purely for the, the the beginning of that one. I mean, I, I look at these ripple effects that you come up with, and sometimes I think, where's this going? I never thought it would start with the twisted testicle of Eddie and Ketia. The twisted testicle testicle effect. Can you name the podcast, podcast that? Could you do that? The you, twisted the testicle twisted effect. testicle of Eddie and Ketia. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I think that's a title, certainly for a podcast mm. maybe we even go with that sounds but... like one of the books that steve bruce maybe wrote once <laughs> yeah. upon a time yeah, that was amazing <laughs> we actually a previous podcast that i did mm. that was the ripple effect of that was probably you know the rest of my career was um we did one where everyone had to bring in a a crime novel title inspired by steve bruce yeah. and we'll inevitably talk about steve bruce uh, in the second podcast that oh. will come. but uh, in that one uh, one of the guys, Dan Bardell, a lot of people might know, who works for the Athletic, uh, Aston Villa fan, uh, works for Sky Sports as well. Uh, he his was nine 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 with Robert Roberto Firmino <laughs> or, or something like that, or the False Nine. Right. Amazing, really good crime novel. <laughs> so if anyone's pinched that, that mm. came from Dan Bardell and the Great Touch for a Big Lab podcast. Anyway, um, yeah, Kevin Augustin, um, amazing stuff, and what a probably the worst signing now mm. of all time for Leeds United with the amount of money that it looks like they're going to pay. But just like in catches testicle allegedly uh, there might be a twist uh, because they're appealing <laughs> they're appealing and they're trying to get the money down as well but yeah not not nice stuff now we're, mm. we're staying away from uh, that end of the table uh, because uh, we are recording this before Leeds United play Liverpool and so that might have helped or hindered Leeds United's survival hopes and, and obviously that kind of money they don't want to be spending if they go down to the championship but when it comes to the top four qualification I kind of went well let's set this up here we go result we've got a meal on here Newcastle five wins on the bounce life's great they're flying oh oh god they've got Villa okay that could mm. be tricky but don't worry about that uh, it should be all right they don't concede many and then um, the weekend happened, and we're going to have a look at Aston Villa get chucked into the hat when it yeah, comes. To we've allowed to them now. in, haven't we? What, what you really should have. always know about Newcastle is that we just don't follow the script, and and that's the Newcastle of old. We we put a tribute in to the the Newcastle of old as well. Um, you know, you mentioned Steve Bruce. I thought he might have been in charge on, on that game because that was a, a classic homage to to what he used to bring to the table, but. 
here we are, well, still so, hanging on. Go on then. With I mean, with that game itself, we, we'll get to Newcastle. I think we're going to go um, by um, table order mm-hmm. and just work through the different teams and talk about what the ripple effects of what's got them to this point, uh, but also what would occur if they were to get over that line. Uh, because the, the word of the podcast this week is achievement, which I find mm-hmm. really interesting for yourself as well. Because when it comes to Newcastle, that idea of top four and achieving that you know we're talking about Arsenal and the fact that now all of a sudden they are just they don't have a winning mentality I saw on Twitter nope. this weekend nope. they it's... have they've thrown it away all this stuff anyway um but achievement it, ultimately I think for teams at that end of the pitch is just to get into that top four so let's start with Man United a team that would hope well would wholeheartedly expect to be at least battling for it um but kind of came into the season with a lot of wobbles. You know, we spoke about, we'd done a bit of Sky Sports News together. I did the transfer window in August and it just feels a million years ago that Arnautovic, like players like that, yeah. Rabio, who's actually had a f- fantastic season for, <laughs> for Juventus, that were getting linked with, with Man United. And last season, they finished on 58 points. Uh, this season, they're obviously in much sort of ruder health, 59 points already. So they've gone past last season. In terms of an achievement for Man United, though, what were you expecting at the start of the season? Are you have you been impressed? What your I know they've broken your heart once this season, but aside from that, how are you feeling about? It? Uh, you had to you had to mention it, didn't you? You had to drop it in there. It's, it's all right. part of being a successful club now. When you make finals, <laughs> it'll be thrown in your face. Um, yeah, I I think that obviously it's an amazing turnaround. Uh, I remember watching the the Brentford's capitulation at uh, the start of the season. I mean completely uncharacteristic of, of what Man United have gone and done but then you throw in the seven nils in there and it just feels really weird it still feels like they've had a bit of an bit of an up and down season uh, obviously the success of the League Cup has has masked over a bit of that Marcus Rashford coming back to full form after the World Cup was huge for them yeah. um, I think that they're now performing at the level that Eric Ten Hag wants them to be at and I think that it will be very hard for them to slip back into those old ways. Certainly if they get Champions League, uh, if they have a, a great summer, um, I know that there is a, a few question marks over whether or not the, the Glazers are going to dip into it again. Personally, I think that if they want to do something, they should go all out for Mr. Harry Kane. Mm. Um, that that would be their statement. You know, Champions League, there's Harry Kane. Very unlikely that Tottenham will get Champions League as well with all of this going on, I think anyway. Um so yeah, I I just think that Manchester United need to get back to that. You know, as, as Gary Neville says, this is Manchester United, yeah, and that's what they should be doing. Yeah, we all do, don't we? <laughs> the, I think the thing with Man United for me is uh, the Harry Kane thing's interesting. We'll get to Tottenham and and the the ripple effect of them not making the Champions League. Mm. But from Man United's point of view, because I think if Man United drop out of it, obviously, look, when it comes to you've got Tottenham in fifth place at the moment, uh, Liverpool at the bottom of this, we're sort of giving them a slight opportunity just to the fact that it is Liverpool and they they can go on big runs of wins but if Man United somehow fall out of it I think they go for Harry Kane regardless Mm. and I think that those negotiations become incredibly awkward because for Tottenham to be in there and for Man United not to be it it would be incredibly odd. I think overall there's going to be a lot of transition for Man United. The FFP, we did a podcast talking about the new ownership. I think that's obviously another talking point with this. Uh, you bring up the Glazers, I think that's a really good point because will they be gone by June, July? I think any kind of new owner would want that to have occurred. As I said, we did a podcast with Sam Peoples, United People's TV. It was fa- fantastic in terms of how it will affect them moving forwards because when it comes to FFP, they've not brought in a lot of money. Mm. 
over the last few years. And and with that in mind, I actually think getting into the Champions League, the big knock-on effect is the lens of which we see those players that they actually need to sell. If we're all behaving and we're all spending our money sort of correctly in terms of what we bring in and what we, what we don't, for the players like Aaron Wambasaka, Maguire, McTominay, what do you think? Do you think they get spared and because they've done well, or do you think Eric Ten Hag is so ruthless that the great thing would be that by getting in the Champions League, their value goes up a little bit because those are the players that are being linked with a, a move away, and mm. Man United need to bring a little bit of money. Yeah, I, I think that. The, the ruthless side of, of Ten Hag for me, it, it works when it was applied to Ronaldo because I think that he's an attitude manager. But I, I do feel like, I mean, we don't really know the ins and outs of it, but is Maguire good for the, the dressing room? Does Ten Hag value his contribution in that field? Uh, I know his introduction back into the team the other day started with that very early yellow card and <laughs> thankfully he was spared. But, you know... I yeah, I, maybe Maguire's probably at the end of his, his Man United career, but he's probably got a decent mid-table club left in him. Um, yep, that agreed. could happen. Um, and, and yeah, McTominay, I mean, Newcastle have been linked with him. And look at what happened. As soon as Newcastle were mentioned in the same sentence as T- Scott McTominay, he goes and scores all those goals for Scotland. It's just the Eddie Howe <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? Would you, would you want him? If... if if the character fits what Newcastle are looking for, then yes. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to, to our signings and, and what has and hasn't worked. But, you know, Amanda Stavely said that they've been very fortunate that all of the transfers have pretty much worked out. So they can't afford to have any of them not work out in a way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, by that point, we'll we'll know where Newcastle stand, whether it's Europa League or Champions League. Um, but yeah, for, for Man United, um, I, I just don't know. I can see Ten Hag ripping through that that team and thinking right I want more and you know if the ownership doesn't change will the Glazers have to do something in order to I don't think they I don't think there's any way they spend a penny Mm. speaking from my own experience and and obviously it's a completely different club but when we had Flavio Briatore and Bernie Eccleston uh, we got into the Premier League and then they were like right Let's get rid now. Let's make that sale now. And we end up spending, in the summer, in the last week, we bought loads of players because we had that quick change. Yep. And But prior to that, I think we brought in Jay um, Bothroyd, Boothroyd. Uh, we brought in Danny Gabadon. We brought in... Um, Are these D- the people you're saying Man United need to go for? Is <laughs> yeah, that I is? think they're options. I know they're <laughs> a little bit older. But no, D- no, DJ Campbell as well. But they were players that we just didn't want to spend money yeah. because they didn't want to spend money because... That's that's truly their money yeah, yeah. because they're trying to get rid. Mm. And so we, the Glazers, I think actually, say there isn't a sale between. Well, if there isn't a sale right near the start of the of that transfer window, I think that sends a message that maybe a couple of those the Glazers actually want to still stick around because if they are willing to spend that little bit of money, that is not money they're going to see ever again. Mm. That's sort of, I know it's a lot of, this is where it's different, by the way, guys. The difference is when you're selling a club for 6 billion, as opposed to a couple, you know, 100 million here or there is not actually the end of the the world. Interesting quote here from Eric Ten Hag. He says, hopefully at big teams, now you can keep your best players, develop your young players out of the academy to make the right transfers so you can build a team for the future. That is, of course, what we're aiming for at this moment at Man United. I think obviously every club would want to do that. The thing is, you've got to get that. What Ferguson did so well for so long was it was the balance. And when we're talking about Wambasaka, Maguire, 
McTominay obviously differently came through. Those two in particular, Wamsek and Maguire, they actually came in to be starters and to take them to the next level. And that's obviously not been the case. So I do not see a world where, in particular, Aaron Wamsek and Maguire are still at Man United. Regardless, it's just the amount of money that you that you might get. Do you not think that someone like like Wamsek though deserves a, a bit of longevity with a manager now? Because if Ten Hag is a great manager, surely he can improve players without needing to be like, right, I need this one, this one, this one, because I've worked with them before. If he's going to really change a team, you want to see those changes in those players that previously haven't worked under Solskjaer, Mourinho. They've, they've had a really weird time. Yeah. I, I feel for McTominay because he's had so many different managers. That's true. It's very hard for that to, to set in. So, And if- I like, do you know what, McTominay, I feel like there is... I'm intrigued by his ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he could... How old is he now? Is he? I'm not really sure. I would imagine 24, 24 yeah. 25, yeah. Um, Kai, our producer, will shout in my ear, let me know. How old is he? The, I think the thing with Wambasaka as a specific there, the problem you've got is what Ten Hag wants is he wants a team that's utterly dominant. Yeah. And Aaron Wambasaka for this season, is of use because they kind of work down that left-hand side a lot more. They want Bruno Fernandes to not have to get back as much. And so, therefore, you probably want a fullback who's who at times can, you know, one-on-one is going to be really, really strong for you. But I don't think he his ceiling can get to where Eric Ten Hag wants to be, where it's, it's that level of dominance that Ajax had, mm. but obviously in the Premier League. And yep. because of that, I think he needs more attacking fullbacks. And that's why Wan-Bissaka, I think, will inevitably go mm. uh, I, th- I think they'll be okay I did a video going going through all the relegation teams and they a lot of them seem to play Man United and they, I seem to give <laughs> the other team a lot of points that said I think the way that he's navigated it you would imagine that uh, that um, Eric Ten Hag should be okay the one thing that might be a problem for Man United is that fixture congestion do yep. you think that for you guys do you think it's been of use to not have Europe this year most likely I mean there's no denying that despite the fact that we have been a completely different team, we've probably hit the one Premier League season where there's not no one really doing it outside of Manchester City and Arsenal. Mm. Um, and even then, we've we've managed to dent Arsenal and Man City with getting a point and we've still got Arsenal to play. Um, that being said, I, th- I just think that we've brought it and it's been very fortunate that Chelsea have been in complete disarray. Liverpool haven't been at it despite beating us twice. Um, you know, it's a little freebie from us for them and, and Tottenham have, have been all over the shop. So, yeah, it's been it's been a good season to do it. I think that in a way, though, we are looking at this running now and thinking, OK, like you say, Man United are going to have, I mean, they might go out of it. That's the other thing. Sevilla mm. coming back and doing what they did yeah. is disastrous for them. Um I would say so, but then I think that the culture shift at Newcastle has has helped us a lot, and that mentality that we've taken from the end of last season, certainly the second half of it, has has run into this one. And there's been a few bad performances here and there, but we're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, you're doing really well. <laughs> so last season, forty nine points already gone past that. Let's move on to Newcastle United. Yeah, uh, because I think one thing I I think hasn't been truly focused on enough really is, and again, we picked the wrong <laughs> week to do it, is that. The defensive change, I think, from Eddie Howe as much as anyone. Like he comes into the, you know, and again, when we're talking about defensive managers, that's not something that um, Eddie Howe was sort of known for. And Unai Emery was that manager that was sort of linked, looked like he was going to sort of come and take the reins and hasn't done it. And obviously the the ripple effect of that is um, then bumping you on this occasion. But <laughs> it might lead to both of you guys getting into it. Have you been impressed when it comes to Newcastle and what's got you or could get you over the line 
when it comes to the Champions League. Is it the defence more than anything? And have you been surprised by that? Yeah, I mean that 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 goal difference is mouthwatering. Uh, mm. It's every time I look at it, I'm like, really? Yeah. Have we have we honestly done that? And and yeah, for a while when it looked like Nick Pope was never going to concede, and then he, he had a moment of madness, and it all all went down the pan. Um, the defense for me is something where you kind of look at it and go, look, you've got the the commanding presence of Trippier, take away Villa. Um, you've got you've got Sven Botman proving to be this this really exciting young player who is now working his way into the Dutch team. Fabian Scher looks a man transformed. Dan Byrne, okay, apart from Villa and a few of his flaws, is the Geordie powerhouse at the back, which you sometimes need in your team, a man that would run through a wall. And if he tried it, I wouldn't be surprised if he managed it. Um, brick or, or wood or whatever. He might lose a finger on the way, but, you know, he's um, he, he can do it. Bring and on the wall! Exactly. We, oh, God, Dan Byrne on bring on the wall would be fantastic. Um... <laughs> But yeah, no, the defence is just incredible. Um, but I do think that they're just so tight and it's been so long since I've seen such a good defence at Newcastle. In fact, we wouldn't even we didn't even have a good defence in the Keegan years. You know, that was his biggest downfall. Yeah. It was like, you can attack, 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 but you're going to concede. And again, that was the, the Liverpool game that, that ultimately brought it down. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just... Uh, I'm in awe of of what they've managed. It just seems impossible that that uh, like even Dan Byrne being there. How how are they managing it? It's but... it has been outrageous. And actually, you know, when you look about look at the recruitment, mm. um, I think when we do the 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 podcast, the second podcast, I think we'll focus in on on Dan Ashworth and what he's done there. Yeah. But one thing I think that's important. I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day, and it was the Brentford um, director of football. I think. I want to say Phil Giles, forgive me if that's wrong. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying how he's saying it's all about the attitude of that player. Now, some of the players that he brought in, like Chris Wood hasn't worked, but... Attitude wasn't a problem for him. But, at, but that's it. And Good that was... egg. And you kind of were able to move him on because he was like, look, this oh, isn't really going to work. You're business not really on that one. Level. I mean, yeah. I'm so sorry, Nottingham Forest. We didn't know anything about yeah. that injury. But look, it's... Yeah, Chris Wood literally is the only one that hasn't worked. There'll be a few question marks over Anthony Gordon, but I'm giving him time. Everyone yeah, will. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's remarkable how mm. that's happened. Um, because again, I think the expectations broadly over Newcastle are very, you know, are, are um, ramping up game by game and and this season will will affect that but between sort of now and then i think what's probably been really enjoyable for you this year is that that expectation was 10th 11th you know maybe a push you can get ninth so to be here again with those players and it again i've said this on videos and people get annoyed about it but you can't deny that those names you shouldn't be there no you shouldn't be there, should you? No, and and it's the transformations of your your Almirons and Joe Linton who continues to get better. Like he's still not finished growing. Um, I mean, the way he walked the ball in against Brentford was was just like I was like, who is that? Who is this guy? And and how is he suddenly doing it? Is this this the one we were promised about? Is this the guy who was at Hoffenheim all those years ago? And yeah, I mean, what's I, the cocktail cocktail that has created that? Is it is it like you know is that cocktail just actually just Eddie Howe, <laughs> or are there other ingredients? Brown Hill and WKD and, <laughs> nice. a, and a big night on Simple the, but effective. Yeah, although I probably shouldn't mention that around Joel Linton, you know, just, <laughs> just in case, given his uh, given his things this season off the pitch, which is not great. Um, but yeah, no, he he's just, I mean, Eddie Howe's brought in a, a winning mentality. You, you know? use the word culture, and mm. I'm always sort of sceptical about that, but I think you can. it feels more tangible with this group because they shouldn't be, again, they shouldn't be where they are. And it is... 
it feels like it has substance. I think that comes from the defensive record as well. Mm. It's not sort of flimsy, talented players and a couple of hot streaks at different times. I mean, that kind of has happened, I guess, with Almiron in particular. We've had to, we've had people take over. It's almost like mm. a, a baton thing. You know, we had Alexander Isak who came in, okay, got a couple of goals and we thought there's a, there's a definite player in there, got his injury and then he's come back and he just looks incredible. Callum Wilson went through a real dry spell after the World Cup and there's been talk of, you know, long COVID and things like that, but he still scores. Um, and that's it. If one player who's been doing it for a while suddenly isn't, you can expect another player to step up and do it. And I think that it's the the idea that Eddie Howe is is making them want to play for Newcastle because Isak starts playing well and then Wilson's on the bench. Wilson gets brought on. Wilson scores. It's it's the hunger that he creates for this team. And you know, a lot of fans will take the mick out of the the dressing room photo after the game, the, the winning photo that Eddie Howe brought from Bournemouth. He's he's brought that with him. We absolutely love that. And we just, it's its just something Who we Who are you feeding with that, though? I think that's the important thing. And, and that's, you know, like, do you ever noticed a lot more these days is players turning to the crowd and going and doing, you know, doing the arms up. So many, so many. Um, so many, and sometimes yeah. not, not in the most enjoyable moments. Ethan Laird of Queensport Rangers. <laughs> but anyway, but I mean, but I, I, look, I get the intention. Dan Byrne's a great example of that. Like, mm. in terms of, again, in terms of, I'm always, I'm clinging on to it being, you know, a knock-on effect of, of Newcastle doing well. Yet, of course, they've spent a lot of money and these things are always going to be shrouded in other conversations that we'll inevitably have to have. Mm. But I think there's a few teams here that, you know, money will only get you so far. You know, that Chelsea bench that came on this weekend against Brighton at home mm. and did absolutely nothing. It shows that, it, you know, it's not just about the, the amount of money that someone's going to put on them. Because Dan Byrne, even in that, you know, I think sometimes... I've certainly seen it, and even through the TV, like the, the home record and, and the way the fans are feeling. And maybe it's sometimes, I think part of it as well is the fact that you, you're still in that area of, I can't believe we're kind of here. And so you're really soaking in every second of it. And you've yeah. just been so starved it's, of it's the, any kind of enjoyment. It's the right? overachievement of it. And yeah. if that's the key word on this one, then, that, then that's the thing. And something that we will probably touch on in the other podcast is about Unai Emery. And if he'd come in, what players would he have brought in? There's no way we would have got Dan Byrne because no. they they were the, the Eddie Howe signings. He was like, right, I've identified Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, possibly Matt Targets uh, as easy options for us to just get in. And the only one that wasn't an Eddie Howe one, amazingly, was was Bruno. So yeah. Bruno Guimaraes was from our our chief scout, uh, Mr. Nixon, and um, he flew out to Brazil and it was like, is he an Eddie Howe player? Maybe not, but he's going to be. And what did Eddie Howe do? He Eddie Howe'd him by not starting got, him. Just and got he, yeah, he just, you just got howled by Howe and <laughs> left him on the bench, brought him on for little bits and everyone thought he was the greatest player. But yeah, that that's something we can touch on with this. Um, it, you- it is just incredible. But if we get Champions League, then we can consolidate that's the thing that's that's the main thing now we will bask in the possible glory of that in the aforementioned podcast still to come this week but really teasing that one I really are okay. <laughs> we, we, don't worry we'll stop it's now a big one but putting that to one side mm-hmm. what what do you think will happen between now and the end of the season do you think you'll get over the line and if not if not in particular what would what will be the the consequences of that in your mind so not getting Champions League. Mm. Well, first of all, do you think you'll get? Do you think I, you'll get? There? I think we're still in a good position. We play Tottenham next, and we're at home. 
And I think one of the biggest things for Newcastle, not to sound cliched, it is the fans. St. James's Park is still a fortress. We've not lost there. We've lost one game there this season. And um, unless I've forgotten one. No, we haven't. We haven't. It was just Liverpool, wasn't it? And we still managed to pull it out there. I mean, like the Man United game the other week, it just felt written in the stars that Newcastle were going to do that. Chelsea game as well. It felt as though we were just willing them on to score. And the atmosphere there is is great at the moment. So... I still think we're in a great position. I'm not really too fussed about what Manchester United are doing. It's about how far ahead we are still of Tottenham. But then, of course, those other teams that are coming up behind it are, are a bit of a worry. And yes, OK, Villa beat us, but can Villa keep up this form? Every, every team's going to have a bit of a stumble. If we're stumbling now, I'd much rather it happens now than right at the end. Um, I I think that they'll have, they'll have had serious words after that Villa game. And... I just can't imagine Kieran Trippier, of all the people, being like, that's acceptable or not. You know, he he will completely be the captain that we want there. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we bounce back immediately from that one. If if you don't, what mm. do you think the... So I'll, I'll say what I wonder. I wonder if you if you don't get it, I think there'll be this, re- this, this uh, angry battle between my experience of Newcastle fans and... And this new narrative that will get pushed by the media, um, do you see that occurring, or do you think, or do you think it would be something different? Like how how do you feel about the the desire for success and not achieving it? And because I think the more times that happens, ask a Spurs fan, ask you know, yeah. sorry for the Dick Spurs fan, <laughs> the, but like the the longer that goes on for, and again mm. we're seeing it with Arsenal. The more, the more kind of angry it gets, and I don't think you're in that place, but you no. could get moved there. I, I think that there, you're right. There is a fine line, and there are certain areas of of our fan groups who and, and fan base, sorry, who um, who do think that Champions League is our gateway to securing our future um, because it is. It's instant for getting bigger players saying like, well, we're in the Champions League. Look what we did in one season. This is what we've got now. People like Bruno Gimaraes and Sven Botman, their choice to come to us, it's it's vindicated all of a sudden. It's like, well, I wanted to come here to not just win trophies, but get into Europe with this squad. We'll suddenly have a, a mandate to go out and buy players. But there are a lot of people who do think that because of the overachieving of this season, um, anything's good enough. But then do... I don't have a problem with Europa League. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with the Europa League. Loads of people are like, "Oh, it's a, it's a phony tournament, and <sighs> no one wants it." I'm like, "Yes, but look at what happens." I mean, like, you've got the, a potential gateway there into into the Champions League at the end. Not seeing Newcastle win it, but we had a great season in that cup mm. when Alan Pardew got us there, and we didn't consolidate after that season you know we brought in Vernon Anita and nothing else and that's that's not the answer friends that is not the answer no offense to Vernon uh great servant for the club mm. but huge fan of the ripple effect as well so it, he's fuming <laughs> is, um, but yeah it's, that was it we were like what are you doing but then I probably had one of my proudest moments in the stadium watching us against Benfica in that quarterfinal so uh, I don't know. I just want I want it over with now. <laughs> really, really, it really. Is. Oh, really? You're not even enjoying it? I'm, I'm loving oh, it. I'm right. loving it. But it is. An, it's an exhausting battle now. For sure. I just want to see where we end up, and then we we deal with it after that. Because I think that if one thing has been proven, there still are twists and turns, and, and a, a more than enough surprises to to what Newcastle's plan is, and you know what Dan Ashworth wants to do, what Darren Eels wants to do, what the entire club wants to do 
as a whole is more exciting than getting to the Champions League this season. You know, I wanted a cup over Champions League. That didn't happen. Now we've turned to Champions League. I've come back eating my words. But I just, I just, I, I want to enjoy it. I don't want this debate. That's the, bit that, that's the bit. Can I go now? <laughs> no, I can't. I totally understand it, really. Right, we will be back after this. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. One thing we haven't focused on with Newcastle is the future rivals. And obviously, I mean, all of these teams are rivals. And so, for example, you know, Man City and Liverpool have become rivals recently. I think Liverpool-Chelsea, we did a cracking podcast with Zach Jalab and uh, Lawrence McKenna talking about the ripple effects of the Gerard slip and so much more. Uh, but ultimately, the the rivalry between the two, actually Rafa Benitez and Mourinho as well, which is great. But Newcastle, yeah, someone's going to hate you. See, oh, this is the. I everyone think this is the does. Thing. Come on, everyone hates no, us at the moment. No, so this is the thing, and I said this. I said this. The the for Newcastle fans now is the time to enjoy it. Yeah. Because as soon you're sort of like, oh, they're having their go. That's nice. But as soon as you get a bit too successful, the hatred uh, comes for sure. And especially if you kind of get jump the queue when it comes to say winning a trophy. We're about to talk about Tottenham now. Do you think that could be one on the? Horizon, who who's who's jumping out at you as the, as Tot- the next? Tottenham don't get us fired up as much as your Man United, your Liverpool's. Um, I don't even think Man City get us fired up. Arsenal certainly do, and it goes back to Ooh. kind of what's been happening in the last few. I, I think Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, more teams who we really want to to beat rather than your your new top six. Okay, we want the classic top six. Right, but you know, just to go on this because you still got Arsenal to come, haven't you? I can't wait at home. Can't wait. It was a great yeah. game. It was the best game of the season last, last year, year, wasn't it? Yeah, oh. I think that's one thing with Arsenal. And I'm looking at it, I'm going. Southampton. Ooh, yeah, Southampton last year. That didn't mm. Newcastle. Ooh, we can you Newcastle last year. We 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 could be kingmakers. That's the thing mm. this, this season. Um, I th- I thought we were going to be last season, but we weren't. Um, but yeah, no. I, look, everyone's a rival. I don't. I don't. I, is this a big thing to say? I think if you're playing a team, they're a rival. <laughs> I love, mate, I love this because you're 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 the same as me in the fact that you're not used to all this, and you're just like. Oh, shut up. Can you all just yeah. shut up? <laughs> like, I don't want any of this. Yeah. I don't want well, any of this, I thrive like, off it, though. I thrive right. off it, though. I was at the West Ham game the other week, and I was sat right next to their away fans, and I was just loving it. Well, I think there's certainly... You know, I know Everton fans really dislike Newcastle. I always think there's... They'll, they'll disagree. And, 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 <laughs> and we'll do the same thing, and then, right, and then right, that right. fires up the rivalry Amazing. again. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I think it's... You know, it's been... There was always those players you go, oh, I'm not sure he's at that level. He, do you know what he'd be great at? You'd be great at Everton, West mm. Ham and Newcastle. So though you three are kind of get, and you guys will be sort of pushing for it. And maybe Leicester got chucked in there as well. Though I know Leicester uh, City hate Tottenham. And generally, Tottenham's a weird one because a, a lot of fans seem to dislike Tottenham. Or certainly my, my mate Flav will always let me know that. It's like, it's like the Brighton Palace thing, isn't it? it? There'll be something in the past that's, that's irked someone yeah, and yeah, yeah. that leads to it. And I think that that's what makes football so great. Yeah. Don't question the rivals of being like, why do you hate us so much? Why do we hate you? It's like, just just, just go at each That's other. It. It's it's the tribalism that we enjoy. Exactly. Even though there's some dodgy sides to it. <laughs> Tottenham are massively struggling. Mm. Uh, 71 points last season. And they're playing pretty much plug and play what they were last year. And that in itself, I think, is the huge problem for Tottenham. And it's sort of the, uh, the effects of Conte Ball as both kind of 
got them here, still in the conversation. But I think, as you alluded to, it's an odd year. You know, Chelsea should have 30 more points. Liverpool should have 30 more points and it would be a lot more congested up there. And, and you know, for Tottenham to be where they are, it's kind of through that more than uh, anything else. And that loss against Bournemouth, mm. it could make it a sort of step too far. You cannot be losing to Bournemouth at home. Absolutely no disrespect to Bournemouth. Just the fact that, you know, you've, if you want to get in the Champions League, you've got to win those games. We sort of spoke about Harry Kane for a second there. There's no way he stays, is there? Regardless, right? I think this is this is a, a dead ripple for me. This is this is still waters, should we call it? Because I think there's can't there's not there's no logical reason for him to stay there anymore at all. The only thing again for me is price. Yep. Yeah. Um that Man United are the only team in the Premier League who are going to go for Harry Kane. Ch- Chelsea can't do it now given what's happened. Um Yep. Every other team has got a striker, if you like, or at least and someone who's going to get Chelsea, the goals. Chelsea, he doesn't fit, does he? Because he's not young and unproven. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's actually, exactly. He's actually at peak unproven. Although Ted, Ted Bowley might switch, or, you know, any, I mean, any moment now. What happens if that happens, though? What if, like, because Ted Bowley's done a lot of stuff that we're, we're like, oh, wow, okay. Well, okay. He, he, he's doing the American owner thing. It's like, right, it's not worked. How do we get them back on side, please? And like he's got advisors around him and everything like that. I would love to watch like a, a thick of it kind of behind the scenes documentary yeah, of Ted yeah, Bowley's yeah. life because I'm convinced he's still a character. I'm st- like getting There's advice a... off James. James Corden will say, "Go and get oh, Harry Kane," and then in he comes. Yeah. So and he's got he's got history. You I know, Harry if... Kane and James Corden. They I know mean, each other. what can James provide here? Because mm. I think he's already brought in Lampard. Absolute car crash. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know maybe he's like. What, do you know do a job for you? Because Antonio, <laughs> forty million, he'll get you. You know he's a good a good option. So he's he's the spy now, James Gordon. Uh, it seems with it. But back to Tottenham. Yeah, horrible running, horrible running. Yep, yeah. true. Think, I don't think they'll do it. I, I'm struggling to see it because I think again, as much as it's about before um, about points, it's about performances, and they're just they're just hanging on Harry Kane time and again. It's so easy to see what they're looking to do each time. And it's just if, you know, if they have enough world-class quality, which they often do, they might give themselves a win here or there, but it, it ends up falling down. And that's why when we're going to get to Villa and Brighton here. They've got a real chance of, at the very least, getting in fifth spot. In terms of the managerial change, which will have to happen at some point, Daniel, if you're listening, <laughs> I mean, what, what's, what's the best route for Spurs to get where they want to be? And can they achieve it without Champions League football? Well, if they lose Harry Kane, I think most fans would want Pochettino back in there. And I think that they're biding their time for that one. But then I think that Chelsea will also be having an eye on him. I think Chelsea are prob- Chelsea and Tottenham, it's going to be like, right, how, who can fix it quickest? That That is how you, how you get back there. Um, it... Do they want him still? Do you think they could go for him? Is he still there waiting in the wings? Because one of them's one of them's going to get him, I think. Well, I think if history sort of suggests anything, Chelsea get away with it. Mm. Just always get away with it. But you you wonder if Todd Bowley, again, this is what I struggle with as well, is where I'm like, he can't be that incompetent. He can't be. You don't get to where you are. He can go lower. <laughs> yeah. It's, anyway, or sort of, it's not even low. He's just sort of like zooming off over there and then he's going to come back and he's zoom off over there. Uh, I think, look, the obvious thing that you see here is Nagelsmann 
would be that fit for Chelsea and he's made the but the thing is is like how much money can they spend you know in Tottenham with their FFP situation uh, they've released their financial results for the year ending June 2022 uh, and in a statement Daniel Levy admitted some transfers have not worked out as planned the club's total revenue increased 22.7% uh, to 440 million the loss for the year was 50 million down from 83 million uh, he said, "Our spend levels show we have invested in the team." Why? Don't, why don't they just go out and get a few of the types of players that Newcastle signed? Like, what's wrong with that? I, this is the thing, and, and that is where your expectation thing came into it. You know, mm. because of that expectation, people would turn their nose up at the likes of Dan Byrne. But my word, he could fit in with the right manager, and it could work. Could Dan Byrne cope with the expectations of? Tottenham or no, would it be a Matt no. Doherty scenario yeah yeah because no. you could imagine Matt Doherty going to Newcastle and doing quite well mm, yeah yeah do you know what I mean yeah come, come to Newcastle we'll fix you all yeah. basically <laughs> I mean the money spent in terms of most spent since 2019 uh, and Dombele 63 million 60 million on Richarlison who doesn't always start Romero, 42. Basuma, who hasn't played as much as he should have. I forgot about him. Yep, yeah. 35. You know, one of the players of the Premier League last year. Well, they got Jed Spence as well still in there. Yeah, Jed Spence has sort of gone on loan. Yeah. I don't know if he's gone out full time. He's gone to Nice. He's doing, doing well. I'm pretty sure it's Nice. But so many changes there. And there's going to have to be a lot more. And I think there's obviously... The thing that is that needs to be remembered, and I, I guess you need to set a deadline when it comes to Tottenham, is they... The revenue is huge. Mm. The money that they bring in, that is a great thing that Daniel Levy has done. Now that, I know, will infuriate Spurs fans. And there has to be a moment when you take the plunge and go for it. And the problem is, is that the truth was, is that you probably should have speculated to accumulate when you had Harry Kane in his prime and he wasn't going to leave. The problem now is, regardless of where you finish this year, um, you're going to have to make huge changes. And the lack of Champions League football... I think will affect the transfers because of all the teams that are up and around there. You know, because if Newcastle make it in there, you know, there's a lot of players that you you're, you're, you do become rivals to a point. Yeah. Certainly in the transfer window, because New Spurs will go, we're the quote unquote bigger club, and you will go, well, hang on, why don't you come here and play Champions League football? We'll pay you a handsome amount of money, and you know, you're playing in a in an incredible. Maybe not as great as Tottenham Stadium, but in terms of the the noise levels and all of that, it's a much more exciting place to be. Mm. So that's a scary thought for for Tottenham. The money is there to be spent. It's just who are you going to be able to get? The one thing I would say, the Graham Potter sort of idea there, if you can't get Nagelsmann and Pochettino doesn't work out for you, the one concern you have with Pochettino for me is, has he got that same energy that he had first time round? I, you know, I keep saying this, I, I feel like Kane going is a good thing to a point because they have to start again this is life oh it's, a, it's a full, full, full reset now for yeah. what Tottenham need isn't it yeah. so and what it might do is it might make them buy smarter so I, I, the first person that just sprung to mind there was um, Brighton's Ferguson mm. as like a there, there's a young option there that Tottenham just the type of player that they'd go for who with with the right nurturing could be their their next big thing Um and that's what you've got to look for. I, I think that the, the hurricane thing, it, it's just going to be a weight off their shoulders in a way. Okay. I agree. They're losing it, but it, 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 it is one of those where it's like, it's, and it sounds, just do it. Just, it sounds insane, go. doesn't it? It sounds insane to <laughs> yeah. say that. And I get it. I get it. But there's, you've got to sort of, it's like a bad breakup. It's a, it's, it's a yeah, bad breakup. Yeah. And it's there's like, a lot of love you there. don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. 
in the future you'll look back and go, it was remember the good times, guys. Yeah. How good it was and um, and move on. Because if Kane couldn't do it when they were in the Champions League final and they couldn't do it then, uh, it's, it's not going to get back to that. That that was the peak and they are still hungover from that. Yeah. Sometimes you go go backwards, go forwards. They're sort of these old messiahs have, have been and gone now and uh, company's the favourite at the moment for the jobs. That would be Oh, poor Burnley. They're just getting going. <laughs> Yeah, oh, no. I know. Pillage. Stop being it. so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aston Villa. Wow. Wait. Who were they? Yeah. How they, they get on the weekend? Um, eight matches undefeated, seven wins in those. And uh, since Emery took over, it is absolutely astounding what they have done. Uh, this is a tweet from uh, HLTCO, who I need to get on the podcast because he's great. Uh, but so when he replaced Gerard, they were 17th with nine points from 11 games with a minus nine goal difference. They've now got 50 points from 31 games and a goal difference of plus four. I think the plus four there is quite interesting as well because I think the one thing you get with Unai Emery, and what I will say, like, I think we see this all the time, and you were saying before we start recording, like people going after Dan Byrne, and hang on a minute, he was a god like three weeks ago, or probably two weeks ago, 14 days ago, right? It's, very, it's Emery, a very short time as a Newcastle fan. It does happen. I mean, and it happens to us all. <laughs> but Unai Emery, you know, wasn't up to it. Wasn't up to it at Arsenal. And I think uh, this is the thing that I think we always need to sort of have a desire to sort of humanise a lot of these things. Because actually in the right scenario, with the right people around you in the right moment, it can, things can work really well. Look at the guy he, you know, he took over from, Gerard. He was like, oh, wow, can't believe we've got him. The Villa fans were so excited by him. Understandably so, he done really well at Rangers. I think the ripple effect to start this off, by the way, is is Mick Beal leaving to go to QPR. Of course, he's made his way to Rangers now, but it seemed to sort of all fall away. They then hired Neil Critchley, who was our manager after Mick Beal left, wow. so, became assistant manager, and uh, he didn't do much better at QPR either. So I think there's certainly there's some damage done there. But again, two really good coaches in Mick Beale and uh, Neil Critchley and Steven Gerrard wanted to have a different role there but I think what it is what you see with Unai Emery is, is someone's kind of come in and just given absolute clarity to that team and what a perfect fit in terms of the way that uh, Unai Emery set up at Villarreal for a long time there would be a, a lot of moments where they would sit back they would be solid and they would look to counterattack. Great example of this was when they beat Juventus in the Champions League. And um, I think it was Dan Juma, actually, who might have got the goals for them. But they had Dan Juma, uh, Chukwueze as well, uh, Moreno, different kind of player. But Unai Emery, not taking that Newcastle job, but taking the Aston Villa job, has obviously completely changed Ollie Watkins' career. Ollie Watkins really, really struggling. And he was so, again, maybe some of part of the sort of man management of Unai Emery which probably gets missed in this sometimes the psychology of letting Danny Ings go and going okay this is how we're going to play and it is it is very similar to, to Villarreal but utilising uh, Watkins who I was describing as a he's a complete striker but he's very different to most complete strikers normally mm-hmm. complete strikers kind of bit of a bully with a little bit of pace um, whereas Watkins is sort of a bit more wiry willing to run the channels and in the game against Newcastle, it just gave you guys a torrid was, time. But you yeah. could see, you could see. He was the, just enjoying it. That was the thing. Yes. You could see how much he was like going towards the fans. Yeah. And it there was like a cockiness to him. Mm. And I, I liked that in a way. And I would love to buy him. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he'd be a great fit. Yeah. But do you know what? It shows the like, it shows the zip that comes with confidence, mm. but also the, you know, the ability 
what clarity can bring. Villa are having their their Newcastle moment, if you like. They're having their their turnaround. I'm really pleased for Emery, by the way, because yeah. I think that the treatment at Arsenal was was shocking. Mm. Um, you know, how can you go from Arsene Wenger and then expect it to just be exactly the same? You know, yeah. look at what happened to Man United, guys, please. And mm. then you know, Emery now is having this, and in a way, I think I hope the same thing happens with Graham Potter, because Graham Potter will have his next big club. I don't know if it's the right time for him to start going off to, to your Tottenham's or something like that because that ain't going to get fixed that quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's gone away. He's made a bit of an impression with, with Villarreal as well. And, you know, all of all of us were saying when, when it, was, it was the Europa League last season when it was like, look at him, look at him go. Mm. Look at what's happening here. He decided to stay there to finish off the job with them instead of coming to Newcastle, which, you know, I could kind of accept. Um, and it's worked out okay for both parties. But... Yeah, I'm really pleased for him. And yeah. um, I, I think that it's something for, for Villa fans to get really excited about. Yeah, uh, sorry, Villarreal was two seasons ago, wasn't it? Big Man United on penalties at the end of it, but then a great run in Champions League last yeah. year. Champions League, yes. Sorry. Yes, and uh, I think also the interesting point there is like the noise, mm. you know, the power of the noise of a club. And I think with Villa, they are a huge club, but the no- they're also kind of it's still in this sort of hoping stage. So they can't, like, you know, they haven't got that expectation of... Uh, Chelsea, Tottenham, all those guys, the real noise that will break them down, uh, the managers, is when they're down the bottom there, which you saw with Gerard, because that was pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. And the same thing kind of happened with Dean Smith, who's, you know, one of their guys. Um, but, so I think with Emery, he got done by the noise of Arsenal. Um, and of course, as you say, sort of taking over from Arsene Wenger. And often, I say, I say this so often, but the, the, the going with the opposite of the previous manager. So Unai Emery's kind of known for meeting after meeting, detail after detail. And I think that's working right now. What will be interesting to see if that tails off next season when the expectations kind of rise again, because we all just go, well, hang on, you're winning. Keep winning. And that's, again, not football. In terms of Villa, first of all, you know, they had spent a lot of money on players, that some of which aren't, you know, really involved much anymore. You know, look at Coutinho, for example. For them, with Unai Emery and his record in the Europa League, we was, uh, you know, there's an option there that, is the Champions League? I think with all these, with Newcastle and yourself and and, and um, Aston Villa, there's a problem here. You can almost do too well, mm. and it can get you in trouble. Um, a, a example of that maybe say like Burnley. When you remember Burnley finished seventh, and then the year after it was just like a bit too much going on. Would Europa League kind of be the best spot for for Villa, especially with Emery, Emery and his? Um, history in the competition it, it depends if they're ready for it isn't it mm-hmm. you know we're talking about if we're ready for the Champions League we're going to have to recruit if we get it and if they get into Europa League they're going to have to have the same but then you know they've got they've got was Carlos will come back as well into their defence so you've got oh, yeah. you've got some people in there who are who are you know capable of big European nights um, they will sign again if they can keep Watkins doing what he's doing I don't know what his injury record's like but that, that's that's a worry if, if, yeah. any, if any of those key players go down but I mean, you've got Martinez. Martinez at the back. That's a great place to start. They've definitely got the capability of being in the Europa League. And I think that judging by that very scary graphic of their their 6-2-2 that they've been doing after going 1-0 up, that can hurt any team. And mm. they went even bigger against us. Um, yeah, I mean, you, if, if, you, if you want to go into the Europa League this soon, then who better than to have the, the, the specialist himself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he loves it. Um, and I think it would be good for them to have something uh, on the side. But then they just need to make sure that this form gets through the summer. Yeah, yeah, it's, totally. it's so hard to say if, if well, any team's going to continue. 
Yes, yeah, because you do, you know, you draw that line. That's why, again, Newcastle have done so well this Mm. season because I don't, I think people thought, oh, this will calm down. And to be honest, I think it could happen again. But one thing I would say is, in the words of Delia Smith, who are you, Let's Be Avenue, when it comes to Aston Villa? Because, like, Douglas Louise, Watkins, Ramsey, a lot of players there. Those players get pinched. Question for you guys. Let us know. Um, I mean, let me know specifically on Twitter. I always like to hear. Brighton. God, I love Brighton. Good God. Let me me dream, Brighton. Lovely team. So good. Don't, hey, don't patronise Brighton with your lovely team. No, 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 they really are. Love it. They're a rival, you know. They're a rival. Yeah, yeah. So. And do you know what? When it comes to sort of those underlying numbers, they're outrageous this year. Absolutely outrageous what they've done. And I think sometimes, you know, with a team sort of maybe having an incredible defence, running a little bit hot. When it comes to Brighton, it's not occurring. In terms of XG for, from open play, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, then Brighton uh, in uh, with 40.9 goals. It's absolutely astounding. Man United, by the way, are sort of fifth on that one. So ahead of them, only just. But then there's a massive drop off to, to Newcastle with 32 or nearly 33. So for them to play with this attacking like verve and just keep creating chances every single week, they're honestly giving the rest of us hope. And, and that's kind of necessary. A bit like Aston Villa. I think the big thing here would be, and I guess the, the big thing would be, can again, can they retain some of these players? Yeah. Brighton's giving a lot of Blackburn Rovers for me at the moment. <laughs> really? it's, it's getting a lot of that. It's got like, oh, look at this. Look at this owner who wants you to do well. He's channeling yeah. the money at the right places. You've got a great culture behind it there. Okay, you've lost Dan Ashworth, but you've got someone pulling the shot. I mean, I read something the other day about how Brighton have looked at the goalkeeping situation in England. And it was something about how um, English goalkeepers just weren't coming through. So what their scouts did, they were like, right, we're going to go and find the next generation of best English keepers, have an abundance of them. Right. And then sell them on when the time's right and maybe keep one for ourselves. And I can't remember who it was was in charge of that, but I was like, that's quite smart. I mean, it's, you know, the way that they Cruel, but smart. <laughs> South America yeah. and they continue to do and see so an absolute screamer against Chelsea and he looks great as well. He's the next one on the production line. You know, the, the I, I don't know Ecuador, where they're getting them from, by Ecuador. the way. Ecuador. Is, is, is that where it is? Yeah, generally, okay. generally it's Ecuador. Um, uh, and Ciso, I don't think he's Ecuadorian, but the... I didn't it's, even know they signed him though. Like I, I was watching the well, highlights, so I was like, "Who is this guy?" But you don't because it's like, and I, I, my best friend's a Brentford fan, and he would sign these players, and I go, "Are they good?" Yeah, and he'd go, "I presume so." It's like FIFA when you get a cheat code, and it's like, "Okay, if, if I buy this, you will get the next big thing." And it's like, "Oh, what's this? Seventeen-year-old, eighty-three. I want a bit of that." Yeah, who's <laughs> this it. generic name? But they they seem to be able to find. It's a bit like. The Olympics uh, in 2008, China, what they did was they sort of bought the cheap medals. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to be the top of the medal table. And they, so they went and, you know, invested in fencing or like these, because ultimately that or winning the 100 meter sprint, although it's got more prestige, is still one and one in the, in the table. And I think good players are good players. It doesn't matter where they're from. And that's a massive thing that Brighton have been able to. I mean, it's so obvious, isn't it? It's just staring in the face. But having those players and and being able to kind of really get the best out of them. And then again, finding value in in being visionaries, I think. I think that's what Brighton have done here in terms of changing. And I think Brentford, again, will try and do that. You're initially solid. You stay in the league. You stay up due to physicality as much as anything else. And that's what Brighton did. And then you go, okay, let's move this now. And let's get to the next stage. And to do that, you have to dominate games. And that is exactly what they've done. And, and you know, the big ripple effect, obviously, from them. The 11th uh, longest reigning manager in the Premier League right now, Deserby. <laughs> that is disgraceful, isn't it? <laughs> Him coming in, uh, Chelsea appointing Graham Potter. It's just, uh, I, you know, look, I'm a QBR fan. I, I don't like Chelsea anyway. But 
it's, it's a triumph for football that yeah. they are so far ahead of Chelsea with the money that's spent and you know beating them comfortably as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the question for them if they get into the Champions League again, do you think they get ripped apart? Oh, see, this is the thing with Brighton, and again, no disrespect, I just don't think that they can keep this up for forever. Desabi's Desabi's brought logic this, would suggest that, yeah, sure. and 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 look, he, I think that what he's brought is this slightly more passionate manager that can. I mean, what, he's been sent to the stands like twice, three times already. Yeah. You just don't put that with Brighton. And that's why I kind of said the whole like lovely club at the start, because they, sure. they are that model of team that England England try and do. You know, that was the, the Dan Ashworth thing coming in with that. Um, but I just, I mean, you saw what happened with Casado with him putting transfer requests in. Those players do feel like they would be very quick to be like, no, nah, I'm sorry, we're off. Arsenal mm. wanted me last season. Let me go. Um you know, we'll get on to McAllister, but already there's been the the classic South American agent flexing going on uh, before Frank we started today. Yeah, his, his dad's been going, no, he won't be here. And it's like, is Brighton that attractive? Brighton and Hove Albion, is that the attractive name for these players to be mm-hmm. like, that's where I want to be? It feels like they're going to be a stepping stone unless they they get like a huge investment in the future because they, yeah. they, they although Casado's signed a new deal and I wonder if the, you know the the Casado effect damage damage control <laughs> yeah maybe maybe but the Casado effect could be something where you kind of go no you're mm. no, you've signed that contract you're saying here and you're 21 or 22 whatever whatever he is and and so you're gonna you'll you'll behave you'll start playing again yeah because you want to you're still going to want that move. And I do think there is something in that. I would love to see them sort of be strong when it comes to that. I think you're going to have to lose one or two. But again, they lost Basuma yep. uh, last year anyway. And the thing, now, the thing with Brighton is they always they always have the answer ready. Yes, and that's, that's what I, that's what, what what we always look at is you know like you said, Mitoma came out of nowhere and suddenly he's everyone's first choice in, in fantasy league. Mm. It's like wow. How did you, where, where, what did you, can we get a number for this, this guy? <laughs> but again, it's where are you getting these guys from? Yeah. It's not, you're not wasting your time kind of in, in, in Germany or France because, yeah. you know, there's quality elsewhere. That's been the amazing thing when it comes to Brighton. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And last but not least, and as I say, we're recording this before the Liverpool-Leeds game, uh, last season got 92 points, Liverpool. Um, In terms of the ripple effect that's brought them to this point, of which we see injuries and the absence of Mane. I know I keep going back to it. I know you guys keep groaning. Hey, he might be coming back. He might be coming back. I mean, mean, where... Do you want him? Do I want him in Newcastle? 
Yeah, I'll take him. I wouldn't. I would not say no to Sadio Mane. But you know, if he's if he's punching players, I don't think it really gets into Eddie Howe's attitudes. Yeah, you know, no, he's, he's you know fighting for the right. Jason right. Tindall will, will knock it out of him. Don't worry. I mean, yeah. put Jason Tindall up against so any player. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. J- Jason Tindall would would do a great job of, of getting anyone's attitude on because I mean, just look at him. Yeah, it scares me. I do. I mean, I I think the big thing here, which I always keep coming back to, and again, I, I get it's frustrating, but mm. I actually think we've seen. I feel like I've seen something. Something that's kind of affected me is obviously, and again, it's easy, it's recency bias, is what Pep Guardiola is doing with Man City this time. And it all kind of, he kind of knew, didn't he? He seems to be, you know, he's smarter than the rest of us. It's Christmas and we're going, "Mm, they're just not the same. They're just not. And all of a sudden, they're not just the same. They're even better. When you look at those two, when it comes to Klopp and and Pep, and again, obviously huge financial differences. And, And one thing to say is that, Liverpool, when it comes to FFP, can spend far more than a lot, a lot of teams because over the past five seasons, Liverpool's net transfer spend sits at ninth in the Premier League with an overall figure of 216.6 million. So they've got a lot that they can do when it comes to this rebuild. But obviously they would like to be in the Champions League to, to get that. Um, if they don't get into the Champions League, the point I was going to make in terms of Klopp is the thing that I'm struggling with Liverpool, and again, it might be one where it's just at the early stage of it and I haven't seen it come to fruition yet because none of us have, is can he can Klopp be a visionary again mm. or at least facilitate it? Um, Pep Linders, I think, is his assistant who apparently is the, gu- is the man with the idea, uh, according to uh, Lawrence McGenna, who said that the other week. But... Pep is that guy with that. He he's able to sort of rip it up and start again, time and again. And when we're talking about Tottenham and how it's the same football that we've seen for a long time now, and there has to be those big changes. Could this, you know, could not getting into the Champions League, could that lead to him ripping it up properly and starting again? Is he capable of ripping it up and starting again? And going back to the first thing we talked about in terms of Mane, I think he had such a great system there. You take one cog out. Mm. It's just yeah. not the same. No, it's just not the same. And it's still not totally recovered from that, in my opinion. I, I think that in the next three years, I, I, I had this conversation with a friend and, and you know, we, we clashed over it. Um, I said that Guardiola and Klopp won't be in the Premier League in the next three years. I think both could be gone because I think that either of them could go to their national teams. And I think something that Pep does maybe better than Klopp is set himself new challenges. Mm. Um, he's, he's like the, the Daniel Day-Lewis of the football world you know if he fancies a break to become a cobbler <laughs> in the Italian hills at some point Pep will do that yeah. and he will not take any questions on that he's like no I'm, I'm making shoes mm. he's like well Pep why he's like well I, I fancy it so yeah. he'll go off and do that whereas Klopp I think is still I don't, he's still fighting for something he's, not, he's, he's that angry man and I'm like well you've, give, you've delivered the one thing that Liverpool wanted which was the Premier League title mm. I think Klopp's next big thing is is wanting to do it again because he's well he's done the Champions League as well. <laughs> I've forgotten about that one there, but that that's what he's done. And I think that the only thing that Klopp really wants to do now is win the Premier League with a crowd there. He wants to deliver that for yeah. Liverpool to be like, right, we we were robbed of of having that in the weirdest of times. Mm. I want to win it now for you, but I just think that losing Mane is your thing of going, oh, what, do you want to win the league or do you not? And are you going to replace him properly? Because so far we're not seeing it. And now, I mean, who's the player that they were talking about? Bellingham was the one, wasn't it? And now all of a sudden it's like we're cooling our interest in that. I think the one thing they do need to get back to is is how good they were in terms of their recruitment and, and seeing it. You know, we're talking about Brighton. Brighton seemed to see these players and then allow them to thrive. 
Klopp is obviously a wonderful manager. There's no doubt about mm. that. So I do wonder, again, if there's something here where if you are in the Europa League, if they can get to the Europa League, by the way, which is going to be a massive challenge for them as well. But even without it, I mean, actually, Europa League might be sort of the halfway house that allows them to rebuild and you know allow these. They've got a lot of young players that are quite exciting. That might give them that, again, blank slate to to really go again. And Because I think if they aren't provided that, the sort of the uh what's the word the the uh the ground the soil is fertile if they want it to be in terms of the fact that you've got a manager that has so much credit in the bank you have money to spend you have young players who are good you've got players who you can move on i think that's all that again is weirdly a positive for them because again you know nothing kind of lasts forever again unless it's man city who seem to be a bit more proactive in making those changes because yeah, Guardiola seems to be ahead of the curve when it comes to that. But I do think them not being in Europe at all, weirdly, for me, feels like it puts so much pressure on the next season. But having the Europa League there where you could probably win the games and you get the, you know, get I the th- momentum I think they'd that, really enjoy it. The, the fans would really enjoy that mm. because... They've done the Champions League, so and I know it sounds weird to be saying it, but you know you, you could you've got a better chance of winning the Europa League if you're Liverpool. We'll finish on this actually. So them not making Anything. Europe full stop does that co- give what? them a better chance of winning? Do you think that they could win? What gives them a better chance of silverware next year? Conference League. <laughs> well, yeah, Get him in that. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point. Get him in that one. Well, yeah, Conference League or Europa League or nothing at all, and being able to focus wholeheartedly on the Premier League. Ooh. How far have they dropped off? If there's nothing at all, then that is a better restart point than Europa League. Because if they do go into Europa League, they have a chance of doing a Tottenham and being embarrassed fully. Because the amount of games... <laughs> this is the world, that's what I hate. You're right. The, the, the sort of, the pressure all we're on worried them. about is how embarrassed you're going to get. That's it. But that's what yeah. happens when you're up there. And that, yeah. that's it. Liverpool have done the good stuff. And Klopp is... You know, people saying that comparing it to the end of his, his Dortmund, his roll of the dice was to blame the players. And then it's like, well, what's going on here? This is wild. You're, you, you're this man who runs up to the crowd with your players in your hands and goes, hey, hey. But now it's just like an angry man blaming the kids. It's like, oh, well, you wouldn't understand anyway. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got the ideas. Yeah. You're just not following it. It's and amazing. There's, it, when you're winning, it's passion. Mm. When you're losing, it's anger. Bitterness and yeah. stuff like that. I, I think that. No Europe is never a bad thing for for them. Um, let, have, 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 have a go at it next yeah, season. Yeah. Try and win. Try and win the domestics more. You know that's been Liverpool's main thing that they couldn't really do until recently. So give them a go. Have a rest. Let mm. the likes of Harvey Elliott become your your new players of the future. Give Gakpo a proper chance to to settle into the Premier League. Firmino's on his way, isn't he? At the end of this season, yeah. is that what's happening? So. There's that there. Mo Salah's getting a phone call from China any any minute now. So, <laughs> well, so the final thing of that, I think, is, do you know what could be interesting? We could see it. I don't think you'd ever see it with Liverpool. I don't think you'd get away with it. But there may come a point where we start to see tanking, mm. where we go, okay, well, I don't want, we don't want to be in the Europa Conference League. We don't actually even want to be in the Europa League here. So let's just let's tank a little bit. Let's and let's make sure we've got as much rest for next season because it's the Champions League or nothing. That might be the outlook for some of these guys. And with the Premier League being as competitive as it is, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that. I don't think anyone would do it as with their chest, and certainly Liverpool would never do it. But yeah, you wonder if they'd be better off just kind of having nothing at all. Although I just I think Europa League might be of use. Right, guys. 
We will be back later in the week with another podcast looking at if Newcastle do make the Champions League and what the ripple effects of that will be. Uh, if you are new to the podcast and you're still listening, you've probably enjoyed yourself. So why not follow the podcast and give us a five-star rating? It would be amazing for you guys to support us. We've been in the top 10 of the sports podcast since the podcast has started. That is outrageous. It blows my mind and I'd like it to continue. So uh, if you are feeling kind, please do that. But otherwise, just have yourselves a great week great day great evening great morning whatever it may be i'm gonna stop talking now goodbye